Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello everyone, welcome and Om Shanti to America Meditating Radio in collaboration with The Next Normal. Aren't you excited about the times that we're in? You can feel that there's a need for an expansion of love in the air. Because if we don't get it, we're going to perish and we'll do it together. And I've got a special guest with me, someone who has been coming into my vortex for a long time. And due to just the universe is doing things the way it does. Today was the day for us to get together. Let me tell you about this wonderful person and soul, Dr. Joseph Michael Levery. He's an internationally renowned scholar, composer, author, speaker, whose universal message brings together the spiritual healing traditions of the East and the West. He's the founder of the Global Gatherings for Peace and Healing, as well as the NAM Healing and Research Institute, and CEO of Root Light International. Through his music, lectures, writings, he has united hearts and changed lives across the entire globe with his unifying message of deep healing power of unconditional love, global peace, and service to others. It gives me a great privilege to welcome Dr. Livery. Hi, Dr. Livery. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. It's a privilege for me to be here. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been kind of watching you a lot, and I've been studying you for a little. You're, you're all hard, and I love that about you. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> Thank you. I want you to know how much joy I have to be here with you, and really <laughs> words are lacking to express how happy I am. The feeling is mutual. We've been actually needing to have our paths crossed for a long time. And thanks to COVID, it's helping to put us together like never before. So let's get a little bit of, you know, into you and your journey and your path. You've written so many books on spirituality and you've lectured around the world, bringing together traditions from the East and the West. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how have you gotten here? Give us a little backstory. It's quite an interesting journey, quite an unusual journey. I was born in the Ivory Coast and in a very, very spiritual family. I grew up surrounded by great mystics. 
And my childhood, the way I would put it is spirituality was my breakfast, spirituality was my lunch, spirituality was my dinner. And at the early age, I was initiated in mystical, uh, secret societies in which have the, the science of mystical Kabbalah was passed on to me. I was coached by great mystics. And in my life, I can call a very important point is my love for yoga. My love for yoga grew from watching my older sister, Sabine, practice yoga. Because when she, in a time in France, she was experiencing some breathing problems and she joined yoga and yoga helped her take care of that. So watching her at the age of 14, it completely caused the science of yoga to grow in. And since that time, I always wanted to bring together yoga and Kabbalah. Now, yes, my background in math, physics, science, I can trace it straight to my mom because every time that I came back from school, she would make sure that we do math before I do anything else. <laughs> She's a good mom. <laughs> oh, yes. <she. laughs> so this led me to, of course, ultimately just uh, do a bachelor and master's degree in science and industrial engineering, which is like pretty much engineering. So I look at spirituality, of course, as a spiritual person, but through the eyes of mathematics and science and everything else. Because I always thought that science and spirituality should be brought together. I realized at a very early age that all spiritual teachings originate from one divine source. And when they come to the earth, they come as fragmented wisdom and different people based upon their level of consciousness will adopt these truths. And then they become separated truths. And it's like I thought of it as the light of the sun that is being go through a prism and it is refracted into seven colors of the rainbow. So my desire through traveling all over the world, going to India, Israel, all of the various places extensively, has been to bring all of these facets together, all of these different, all these various colors, so that we can give a, a chance to people to taste at the original formula before it was refracted, so that we may be able to see the divine in every sacred teachings. We may see the divine in every single person. And we may see the divine in ourselves. This can cause us to move beyond the, the illusions of separateness so that we can embrace the reality of love, which is so missing right now on the earth. So I transited naturally from engineering and working in the business world naturally into spirituality because it was my core person, my core self, and I could not but merge into spirituality. And throughout all my various trainings and schooling and working in various corporations and all that stuff, even creating my own companies and stuff, what I realized is there is no better way to express our spirituality but to serve others, to true. make a difference in other people's, in others' That's people's so lives. Yeah. Let me just interject here because you mentioned about mathematics and engineering. How does one navigate their spiritual practice knowing that mathematics was a big part of their interpretation or the way they saw the world or engineering? Is there something unique or special that you're doing that you feel is tapping you into the higher consciousness of maybe getting to where that love kosher is for our healing? This is such a beautiful question, my sister. Yes. I always thought of spirituality as very mathematical because a lot of great spiritual people were great musicians, great artists. And we cannot talk about music without talking about rhythm. 
We cannot talk about rhythm without talking about mathematics. So the entire universe is very, very mathematical. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun to the moving of the spring, summer, the fall, everything is so mathematically organized. So nature is very divine and manifestation of that infinite love, the infinite wisdom and infinite truth has that piece of mathematics in it because the entire universe is ruled by two main principles, which is the principle of vibrations, which is the mother of, of nature, and the principle of rhythm, which is the father of nature. When you bring them together, it gives you what we call music. And we cannot talk about rhythm without talking about number. Rhythm is the way for us to express the various laws of the creator in terms of numbers, because numbers are entities that are alive. They have life to themselves. Oh, very powerful. As you were talking about rhythm and vibration, I was seeing a song emerging in my consciousness of vibration of rhythm. Dr. Levery, around the world, we are seeing a lot. And traditional institutions are getting uprooted and are changing. And what people are accustomed to, the norms, are no longer there. People are calling out for equality and they're calling out for justice. The effects that scientists had predicted in the past that would result from global climate change are now occurring. We're witnessing it, right? So it's resulting in a lot of environmental upheavals and the loss of so many of our brothers and sisters on this planet. How would you explain what's actually going on in the world today and what it is actually saying about our collective state of consciousness? What is happening in the world is saying that our collective state of consciousness is we've been doing everything with a lack of consciousness at a global scale. We just need to wake up. And the global pandemic is a warning sign coming to tell us that things are not right and we need to change. Therefore, we are observing that every aspect of society that is not based upon love, wisdom, truth, is collapsing before our eyes. Because when we're faced with challenges, individually to personal, collectively, that challenge has a function to fulfill. Nature sends us challenges in order to fulfill a function. In this case, what is the function to fulfill? The universe is trying to awaken us in order to raise our consciousness and actualize our higher nature. So it is removing stagnation from the system in order to completely melt away everything that is not based upon love, truth, or wisdom, the raising of consciousness that is supposed to let us go of all the injustices, the oppression, all of the long-standing injustice, the destruction of the planet. We've violated all the laws of love, all of the wisdom of the truth. We're violating nature. We're destroying everything. We're destroying the Amazon forest. We're polluting the sky. We are one of the rare species of nature who do not follow the laws of nature who is violating everything there is to violate. We do not understand the ecosystem of the universe, how everything is balanced. And when something comes and disturbs that balance, nature has to step in and create balance. And nature is so powerful that we need nature. Nature does not necessarily need us if we have become disrespectful citizens. So it will yeah. teach us a lesson. And I believe that the lesson that it is teaching us is for us to raise our consciousness 
and embrace the reality of love to move away from everything that divides us so that we may yeah. start seeing our reflection in other people. The way I explain that is life is like the entire human family. It's like a human chain. And a human chain is as strong as its weakest link. And if each of us represents that link, we have to serve the weakest link in order to strengthen that entire human chain. Because right. it has a purpose. It is has been created for a reason. God, the universe, supreme intelligence does not make any mistakes. So we need to sacrifice for each other, especially, and I'm extending myself, especially because the pandemic is causing us to quarantine, to isolate. And humans are thriving for love. They're thriving for connections. Yes, there are people who are dying from starvation. But there are so many more people in the world who are dying from a lack of love. And if we don't reach out and extend our loving kindness as an extension of service to others, then we create a platform for this mental and emotional trauma to fester. And then it creates a platform for so many people to have depression and to go through suicide and all of these ills that may come out of it. And we have a long way to go with it. So many disturbances we haven't even seen the beginning yet. So we need that love to serve each other. We need to make a difference in our community, in the life of others, in our families. And we have to learn to make a difference. We have to wipe the tears of those who are crying in this time, this challenging time. We have to yeah. feed the hungry, those who cannot feed themselves because of the pandemic. It's so much disaster. We have to uplift those who are falling apart. We have to care for those who cannot care for themselves. And we have to bring peace I was having a conversation today with someone and we ended up talking about one of our producers who's a vegan and how strong she is in being a vegan and the engineer was saying, well, you know, I might not put milk in my coffee, but I do have cheese on my pizza. It was just, just really, it was just cute back and forth with everyone. And we started to talk about the cows and the chickens. And somehow I found myself just saying, but you know what, guys? It's all supposed to happen. They're supposed to manufacture the beef. All of that is supposed to happen because each soul is coming into this drama and playing out some specific role to make this thing be called the drama of life. And I don't know how we actually get our parts, Dr. Levery, like, how was it preordained for you to have been raised in a spiritually rich family and to continue the legacy on your path versus there's somebody out there who's a serial killer? There's so much uncertainty and fear around the globe right now. And depression, anxiety, and as you mentioned, suicide, all of that is at an all-time high. And I hate to actually say it's almost becoming the norm. Yes. When you hear about the suicide rates of even our veterans, and we're always at this very critical point of going again into a war. If it's all supposed to happen, why are we doing all of this work? You know, is it, <laughs> is it that we are just destined to play this specific part in the destiny and the drama so that there is the part in the movie where there are some good guys yes. and there's some guys who want to be, you know, the protagonists. They want to move the story forward. If it's all supposed to happen, then why are we doing what we're doing, is my question to you. 
we're doing what we're doing to ultimately embrace the power of love. Because without love, nothing makes sense in life. Because love, just with our spiritual practice, which is necessary nowadays, and it allows us to reconcile all of these imperfections. And again, we need to go through imperfection in order to reach perfection. So imperfection has its role. In essence, you really need the light for the star to shine. So let's call it beautiful play that's taking place in the universe, which each one of us are part of. Let's call it the light. We have to play our role in that light to become the bright stars in order to show the beauty of the night. So that when we move into the day, we again can rise like the sun to show the glory of the day. So whatever it is, the key is nothing is done by chance in this beautiful play. But love allows us to reconcile the opposite. Love allows us to make sense of the whole thing because love is the mother of life. In the beginning of life, it's love. At the end of life, it is truth. So we need love. But again, we need our spiritual practice. Because in our divine spiritual practice, our spiritual practice, we cannot reconcile love and truth. So yeah. with divine spiritual practice, we are, we are able to reconcile love like the snake biting its tail. Then everything mm-hmm. Then we understand the whole play and, and then we're comfortable in the play and we just play our part because every single link in that chain of light has a purpose in that beautiful play. Mm. We will not understand that purpose until we have the experience of love because the creator or the divine or whatever we may call it, the supreme intelligence is the manifestation of love. And love is the language of that supreme intelligence. When we embrace love, then everything starts making sense. Yes. I know you'll be very honest with this next question. For those of us who have an awakened mindset or we've been exposed to a lot of divinity or spiritual knowledge, uh, spiritual information, yogis, meditators, we still bump into phases of our lives where we're not doing so well. Maybe things aren't unfolding the way that you wish them to unfold or maybe just mentally you're in a stucked place. Or something has happened that you weren't expecting to happen. And for the life of you, you can't put it all together yet. And you end up in a little bit of that dark night of the soul. My question to you is, have you ever bumped into that phase in your life? And if so, do you remember what you did to get out of it? Yes. The dark night of the soul is the most beautiful teacher of life. It is there in order for us to lit our candle that we may realize that our job here is to become full of love. What do I do when I'm faced with the dark night of the soul? I use the technology of NAM, which means I talk about NAM as neuroactivating advanced meditation. And what I'm doing with that is by changing the brain waves, man has the capacity to change his personality by making it positive in such a way as to wipe out any anxiety, paranoia, and every disturbances. Because the brain is our command center. So the difference of us as human, descendant of the homo sapiens sapiens, which means the man who knows that he knows. 
and the Homo sapiens sapiens is different from the Homo sapiens yeah, because there are six species that were created in the land of Africa. Three did not make it because they didn't have the frontal lobe designed in a way as to allow them to subjugate the forces of nature. Of the last three, the fourth didn't last that long. The fifth stayed a little longer and eventually melted away. And the sixth, which is the Homo sapiens sapiens, prevailed. So most of us are descendant of the most sapiens sapiens, which means that by nature, through its beautiful experiments of giving us a frontal lobe, which is designed, it's different from the Homo sapiens sapiens, gives us the capacity to subjugate not only the forces of nature, but to control impulsive behaviors and then make life on the earth as enjoyable as it could be, regardless of our ups and downs. So what I do in my practice is I combine sound vibration, because in the beginning was the word, therefore, before any of these problems was the word. Therefore, if I go to the word, I should be able to bring out one in everything else. And we cannot talk about the power of the word without talking about the power of vibrations. We cannot talk about the power of the word without talking about the power of God. Because the power of the, God, the word is the power of God, and the power of God is the power of freedom. Now, I vibrate now, which means combination of breath, understanding that the breath is the first thing we take when we come in life, and the last thing we take when we just kind of this journey in order to change costume. Therefore, it is key because it's the seat of human consciousness. You have seven breaths a minute, you start, your body starts healing. Three breaths a minute, your pituitary gland starts working. Two breaths a minute, your pineal gland, one breath a minute. You understand the cosmos, your body starts healing. So I understood that when you bring rhythm, which is the father of nature, in your breath, then the sound of the breath, which is the voice of your soul, will change. So when I do rhythmic breath, which is the way I create my music, I'm using it in such a way as to cause a person to breathe less breath a minute because the breath is king of the mind. So if you breathe, breathe less breath a minute, it can only do good to you. So by doing the breath combined with now, bringing rhythm in my breath, then we control our biorhythm and they give you control of your physiology. Because if you don't control your physiology, your emotional life will drive you nuts. Once you control your physiology, you have control of your emotional life because emotions are unconscious feelings and feelings are unconscious thoughts. When you control your emotions, you control your feelings. The moment you control your feelings, you create a relationship between your heart and your head and you start thinking with your heart. It's like love and wisdom combined, right? Yeah, and, yes, and feeling with your brain, yeah. which mm. means that what the Egyptians called the intelligence of the heart. Suddenly, mm. logic and intuition come together in order to give you intuitional logic, and you become emotionally intelligent because you have the frontal lobe, because you feel right, as a result, you think right, and then you act right, you speak right. You do things that are causing you not to sabotage yourself or sabotage others. Therefore, you become a force for good in the universe. You become a blessing to your, your family, your surrounding, your community, to the world. Beautiful. It's nice that you can use a technique that can get you out of that stuckedness because I talk to so many individuals and it's like they just can't move away from that thought. So sometimes if they can even start a little bit of the process from just the physical, you know, it can shift the way the thought vibration is flowing in the body too. It could shift what you're going through. That was beautiful. Well, you've said that our greatness is not determined based upon how powerful we are or 
how wealthy we are or how famous we are, that our greatness is based upon our capacity to make a difference in other people's lives. Can you talk about the importance of service? Because oh. you mentioned that earlier and how service is an extension of our love. Yeah. This is such an important topic, especially as we move through spiritual paths. Yes, if I want to change the world, I have to change myself. If I want to make the world better, I have to make myself better. But if I really want to help myself, I have to serve others. There's nothing like service because money, fame, power, beauty, all of these things never go past your last breath. Never. The one thing that goes with you is how many hearts have you touched? How many hearts have you opened? How much of a difference that you made in other people's lives? Service is one of the most powerful spiritual practice because when you're serving, you're giving. Nature is giving us everything. She's giving us fruit and the air we're breathing. It's all free. She is the most perfect teacher of what it is to give. The sun is giving us its light. Everything in nature, everywhere we turn in nature, all we're seeing is service, service, giving and giving and giving, which is an act of love. And the highest vibration in the, in the world is loving. Love gives. I'm talking here about unconditional love, not the love that drives everybody nuts. Capacity to love without expectations. It's a divine form of love where you're loving because you realize that there's no love without sacrifice. But that sacrifice gives you a joy which comes from a divine impulse, the impulse to give without any, expecting anything in exchange. Once you serve others, God or supreme intelligence has no other choice but to serve you. You cannot light the path for others without brightening your path. You cannot open the door to a person that you don't even know without opening the door for yourself. Nor can you push people up without advancing yourself. So that understanding of our happiness is based upon how much of a difference we make in our environment because no matter how happy we are, if our environment is miserable, we're not going to enjoy that happiness. If our environment is bright, beautiful, uplifting, happy, and glowing, even if we're the most miserable person on the earth, something in us will be uplifted. Therefore, when we're serving others as an act of loving kindness, those people we're serving are an extension of ourselves. We are serving ourselves as well. So service allows us to break down the limited sense of identity that we have because we only serve those we identify with. If you're French, you only serve the French people. If you're Chinese, you only serve the Chinese people. But that limited sense of identity is the problem in the world. We have to break that sense of identity and extend it and realize that we are all in that home that they call the earth, that human family, that we are all brothers and sisters. And we need each other because life flows through interactions. You cannot succeed without others. Yeah. You cannot yeah. rise without others. We and do need that. We yeah. Need that. You know, it's funny. As we're talking about love, I'm thinking in depth. I think it's safe to say that every human being has either been loved or have loved something, someone, or even an animal of some kind. They have identified with what love is. But yet, when it comes on to love in a different way and when it comes to loving 
in an unconditional way. As all of us, we get tested. Whether you can expand your love to your family, whether you are tested in loving your person that you've been with for a long time and then you start to take each other for granted, or to expand your love with your political party or religious institutions or understandings. It's something that I would love for you to kind of touch on. We all have love in us. Why isn't that love expanding to be a collective love that we can embrace each other's differences and move together in a way that we could talk about it for centuries to come? This is actually a beautiful question. I love it. We are born from love as human beings, and we thrive from love. We're born to love and be loved. Even the act of being happy. Money does not make a human being happy. Nor does power, nor does fame. There's only one thing that makes human beings happy. It's love. Because the human heart is always looking for the warmth of love. And therefore, we need love. It's our nature. Even though we're running away from it. And the movement of humans is when we're young, we have a tendency to accumulate things. And then when it's time to leave the earth, we get rid of everything. Nature has such a beautiful way to teach us love, which is giving. We are getting, we don't leave this earth with even a penny, not even a dot, not even a grain of mustard seed. <laughs> we get rid of everything, which is an act of giving, which is a final act of love. Mystic as mystic we say, we are born to love and be loved, and our love is so needed. And the elevation of consciousness takes us straight to love. And when we are in the basement of consciousness, we're struggling with understanding love. So we have a limited form of love. We love our cats, our dogs, our, our flowers, and but anything that is, and we're territorial with that. And everything that invade our territory, that's like, here we go. Everything just falls apart. And then eventually we move from the basement to the whatever floor, and eventually consciousness, we get to the seventh floor, suddenly we have a beautiful view, and we say, okay, we need to love in a way that is reasonable, but not irrationally or rationally. When a person is too rationally than love, they become completely irrational. We have to be reasonable, which we will be able to see the play of life, understand that God is both you know, positive and negative, and all we have to do is to glorify the positive. Do you think attachment has snuck in a back door of our capacity to love more? And it has come in a sort of a guise identity that has us completely confused with the real definition of love versus attachment. I'll just tell you a story with my mother going through her dementia and everything. I just got back from Florida with her and I would just look at her in the car and I would just be overwhelmed by the love that I feel. Now, I'm not feeling the emotions because of the condition that she's in. She's so happy and so healthy. I am seeing a different form of love in her vibration. And that love is trying to break something in me, which I don't know yet. I'm suspecting it might be ego or attachment or something that I need to let go of. But as I watch my emotions take me over during this trip back. And I, no matter what I did, I couldn't stop the emotions that I was going through. And I kept asking, what is this? Is this my attachment that's breaking with her? Is it my attachment that's breaking within me, period? 
Or is it that there's just something in me that I just really have to renounce? So do you think attachment has snuck in the back door of our consciousness and deceived us by trying to tell us that attachment is love? Yes, because of our conditioning through society has caused us to either have spawned a different form of mind, this religious mind, this societal mind. We have been conditioned to embrace attachment as a way of being. As a result, it's causing us to be artificial. And then again, it's okay, which means a love to have such a love for your mom. There's nothing like our mom. And when you talk about mom, then I just feel like I'm feeling the mom because the mother is a symbol of the divine mother. She is the symbol of love. I think the problem with humankind is we have not understood the place of women in society. Nobody that comes on the earth, let us not go through women. And the moment we will have reverence for women as a symbol of divine mother, all the ill of society will start disappearing. Because she she gave birth to life, and there's no way we're going to have peace until we understand that by embracing love that a woman represents, then we are performing the will of God, and as a result, peace will come effortlessly, because love gives birth to peace. So the love you've gone through your mother is a special love, and and as it's expressing itself through you, and the bright soul that you are, I will allow myself to say that because that's what I see. This is my experience. And the divine is manifesting itself through that love. And it is okay. And again, through her, she has given birth to this bright soul that you are. And that is a blessing that is so priceless. Mm-hmm. Thank you for saying that. I like what you were talking about, the whole fact of the attachment being this conditioning. It's true, you know. You wake up every day, you see the same furniture, the same face, the same things. Eventually, the vibration of those things do impact your consciousness, which makes you start to feel a sense of ownership or belongingness to them. And yeah, it's an acquired flavor, you know, attachment. But love is the power. It is the source. So let's look at the sun is said to be very powerful. How can working with the sun raise our consciousness and establish spiritual communion with the origin of life, the essence of all things, and the primal source of light. There's no better manifestation of source but the bright rising sun. The sun is a manifestation of what our center is supposed to be. And it is an amazing teacher who every day is teaching us through its various manifestations, through the rising setting and through the the various manifestations of it is teaching us. And yes, by contemplating upon the sun, we will find our sunshine. Because you are what it is that you contemplate upon. The same way you are what you say, you are what you think, you are what you feel, or your actions are nothing other than you. Your attitude is completely you. The same way, coming from the tradition of the great yogis and Kabbalists who have ever walked the face of the earth, I would say contemplation is a very powerful, especially upon the sun. It is a very powerful way for us to merge with the source of light, the source of this universe, because for us to be alive on the earth, the positive ion of the sun has to be transmitted in negative ion by the moon. This is what is giving us permission to live on the earth. Without the sun, there would be no life on the earth. So we are all, whether we know it or not, condensed sunlight. 
we are light beings. And we are forgetting that we are light beings because all we are is energy. And you cannot talk about energy without talking about light. This is what we are. And in a dense of energy and matter, because it's energy, according to Einstein, energy turned into matter and matter turned into energy. So mystics say, okay, this is a beautiful way to express incarnations. A person, energy incarnates into matter, and it eventually goes back to energy. It's beautiful dance. But that dance is telling us at the level of energy, whether we talk about quantum physics and all of this other stuff, we are all manifestation of light. Every single person is the manifestation of the ray, the light of the sun. I love that. You know, I call like the sun god or the supreme energy or maybe Nam, you know, yes. where our connection to source will really raise the vibrations of the planet. Do you ever feel like all the world needs is for every citizen to have a very intimate, private relationship with the divine, which has nothing to do with an organization or religion. But if every soul touched that experience of the divine, of the sun, of the supreme power of light, God, can you imagine the narrative that would take place on the planet at this time? It will be the most beautiful symphony because religions are above religion we have love, that unconditional love. And which is the manifestation of the divine. It's, we're talking about the divine. I say the divine is love, but who am I to say the divine is love? The divine is love and beyond love. The divine is wisdom and beyond wisdom. The divine is truth and beyond truth. The divine is what we know and what we don't know. That connection with the divine, that connection with source, is the master key to everything. It is the key and the door to everything. Because when we connect with the divine, when we walk toward the divine, the divine shall walk toward us. And the relationship between man and the divine is the most beautiful dance that allows us to romance with the universe, romance with nature in such a way that every day becomes Christmas. That's so beautiful. What a beautiful way to end our conversation. Are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share? Any steps, any techniques, any upcoming events that you might be leading that you'd like our audience to hear about? This weekend, I've been going into exploring the Hermetic teachings from Hermes Dismissus and expanding them from a mystical view and how they can be applicable, which means psychotherapeutic application of Hermetic teachings to, to life, to every aspect of life. This we've been, doing, we've been doing this every month, a day or month, and this seems to be interesting and loved by, by a lot of people. But what I want to share is this. In this time, there is a simple meditation is by anyone taking the thumb, which is the center of the brain, and then touching the tip of the sun finger, which is the ring finger, the ring finger. And by just touching the tip of the ring finger, the ring finger is the control center of the body. This is the finger that has a connection to our mind and our body. But most importantly, it is responsible for the magnetism of our body. When a person is healthy, they have a lot of magnetism. When a person becomes sick, they lose magnetism. When a person is aging, they don't take good care of themselves, they lose magnetism. To restore magnetism, to heal the body, by touching the thumb to the tip of the, the, the ring finger, we don't only restore magnetism, we slow down the aging process and we fill our body with sunlight, which is it's good for 
our nervous system because it's like the battery, it's connected to the battery of nervous system, which is so, so important. Between the glandular system, the nervous system, and the blood, our nervous system is key, especially in a time that is so emotionally charged. So if a person can breathe for a count of 20, all the breath to a count of 20 and exhale to a count of 20, they go at their own pace, their own pace. Inhale, all the breath, and exhale at their own pace for three minutes as a minimum, they will sense, they will start establishing balance in them. They'll start giving energy to the nervous system, strengthening the nervous system. If they extend that meditation for a long period of time, and those great mystics sometimes will do it to the point where they'll reduce the breath to eight breaths a minute, three breaths a minute. When one breath can come to one breath a minute, the body starts healing itself. It strengthens all of the system of the body because breath is so powerful. When, when the thumb touching the tip of the ring finger and you have a strong breath, it gives you a strong mind, strong body, strong spirit, and a strong immune system. And then for those who like to, who are probably sleeping, there is a track which is called You. They can have it for free. It's, you can download it from a website. Can you with your website? What's your best website for everyone to find you? It is just as michaellevery.com. Oh, that's perfect. Dr. Joseph Michael Levy, thank you. It was so wonderful to have you on air today. Thank you so much. I want you to know how happy I am to have been with you here because it's a joy. I just love your work. I love what you do. You're so bright, so beautiful, and I'm enjoying this time with you. And if I do it again, I will not hesitate because I have so much love for you. <laughs> Me too. Come I was wishing that we could spend such a long time together, but I think... When we're person to person and I'm in L.A., we can definitely do that. I cannot wait. God bless <laughs> okay. you. God bless you, listeners. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. I'm sure you've enjoyed maximum benefit from listening to our conversation with Dr. Joseph Michael Levery. What a wonderful, rich, rich conversation that we had. I mean, there's so many things that we can pull from that. Anyway, thank you all so much for joining us today. And it's always been a delight for me to see the collaboration between America Meditating Radio and the Meditation Museum's special segment of The Next Normal. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube page for Meditation Museum, please do that now. And of course, to listen to some incredible podcasts, America Meditating as well. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And I suspect... We really are here to love each other the same. Take care and be safe.